Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the gathering of your people tonight to listen to your word, the teaching of your word. I pray, merciful Father, that you will grant us your mercy to teach under the unction of your spirit and that you open our eyes and our ears to hear and to understand you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, we are looking at the, the other war, part two. Text is still First Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that which war against your very souls. Something is waging war against our souls. Galatians 5.15, but if you are always biting, devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are His, that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free. You are not free. You are not free to carry out your good intentions. So good intentions is not enough. You are not free to carry out those good intentions because there is a battle that's going on in our heart. You know, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligations uh, to the law of Moses. So you see, last week we were warning about the cost victory, which represents self-righteousness. And then you can see that the victory was what Adam used fig leaves, and we saw Nicodemus sitting on that, and we saw now Jesus was showing us that this tree is full of leaves. It does not produce fruit. Self-righteousness will never produce the fruits of the Spirit. Self-righteousness is what deceitful things that men do. It's the arm of the flesh. It will never produce life. So it's all leaves and no fruit, and Jesus caused it. And we needed to repeat it because self-righteousness is very tempting. It's very tempting. It appeals to human ego. Appeals to human ego and human sense of religion. So we need to be very aware of that and just understand that if you engage in self-righteousness, it's a dead end. It's a waste of time. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.5. May the Lord lead your heart into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. The love of God, patient endurance, all this fruit of the Spirit, comes from Christ. He said, without me, you can't do, can't be a fruit, can't do anything. So that's why, without faith, we can't do this thing, because it's when we trust him that we activate these realities in our lives. It comes from Christ, not from your self-righteousness. Now look at another scripture, Philippians 1, 11. 
May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's Christ. It's the true vine, not fig. We are just branches. Just, just, that's the way it works. So let's just forget about this self-righteousness thing. Again, like I said, it appears to human ego and sense of religion because it looks like religious something, you know. At the end of the day, it's dead end. It's worst of time. God is not interested in lips. God is only interested in fruit. Okay, let's remind ourselves that we do not win. If we do not win this battle raging daily, this battle is not once and for all. It's a daily battle constantly going on. If you do not, if you do not win this battle that we're talking about against worldly desires, you are not likely to win the battles against demonic spirits. Let's just... We must not underrate this war. That's after our soul. It can block you from prospering in health and any other way. Touch on two. says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. I want you to prosper and be in health, but the determining factor, even as thy soul prospereth. But these things are waging war against our soul. So if it's winning, then we are, we are going to forfeit these other benefits of prospering and being in health. You can see how important this battle is, that we must win it. This is a battle that many Christians don't even reckon with, don't even know it's raging, don't even care how it ends. And if your flesh dominates you, it will limit you so much spiritually that you will be very ineffective spiritually, you'll be very weak, you'll be tired, dragging along your prayer will be just tiredness, you sleep through it, sleep through most of it. And then there, is, there won't be life in what you do. And um, because you can only exercise, and then again, you will not be able to exercise God's authority effectively. That's why a lot of people say, in Jesus' name, it's not working. It's not working. They're not able to exercise divine authority. And they don't care to go back to God and say, I've been saying in Jesus' name, it's not working. Why? But why? this is one of them. Because if the flesh dominates you, you cannot exercise the kingdom authority. The kingdom authority is only exercised when we are under the authority of God. It's only exercised when we are under the authority of God. First Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. That's the first place. Then what happens now? Resist the devil, and he will free from you. Now, if we don't subject ourselves to the, the domination of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and we allow the flesh to dominate our life, dominate our minds, dominate our soul, we can't exercise effectively faith in the name of Jesus. 
We're going to say things, but it's going to be canal. That authority will not function, will not work. So we can only exercise that authority if we are under divine authority. Again, this desires of the world and flesh can entangle and enslave a Christian. Now, when, he, when somebody is entangled and enslaved, I don't know how he can win any other battle. Romans 6.16, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So if, if we allow these things to dominate us, the scripture says we become their servants. We become eating slaves, brethren. It seriously enslaves. Look at 2 Peter 2.20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and Savior, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that they again, en- again entangled their ring, they are again entangled their ring and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. If they get entangled, I don't know how many people really are totally, today, seriously entangled. They can't stop lying. I mean, they can't stop. They can't stop gossiping. They can't stop runaway anger. Mean they take off like this, it's like war front. And they don't care what happens. They can't stop being greedy, entangled, seriously entangled. Some can't get away from sexual morality. They can't stop. And I'm talking of years now. I'm not talking of, I mean, even some since they became a Christian have remained entangled. Shouldn't we, isn't the scripture say that if Jesus set us free, shouldn't we really be free? What's all this entanglement for? Hmm. The scripture says when we, when we allow these things to win over our lives, it, it enslaves us again. So we'd like to see how the performing of our priestly duties play a role in winning the raging battle with worldly desires. First of all, we remind ourselves that we are priests unto God, and our role is to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. I know that by this time, everybody listening to this must have realized that he's a priest. Now, as we treat the word of God, some of the time, some of these things that we read, we don't even bother to respond to them. We just listen and that's it. It's like water pouring over stone and that's it. When the scripture, when God says, I've appointed you as a priest to offer spiritual sacrifices, you can't afford not to be in your place of service. You cannot. You cannot. Just like a pastor abandoning his church and going away. You cannot. First Peter 2.5. 
you also, as live listeners, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Not one. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. It is very important that you note death. By Jesus Christ. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Under the ministry, the great high priest ministry of Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. Now we're going to see how if we miss this by Jesus, every other sacrifice is waste of time. Now, to be the relic, to, 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 to be the religion, to have this the religion of duty, that's what I wrote here. I'm not sure I really know the meaning of the dereliction. Came to my mind. I think you, yeah, the religion means you you don't you are not doing your duty. That's what I mean. You neglect your duty. By neglecting our duty as priests. Samuel said it is sin. I didn't say so. That's what Samuel said. Samuel said it is sin. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in season to pray for you. Samuel said, if I stop this responsibility of praying for you, the sheep of God, I'll be sinning against God. I mean, this is my new way back. The seriousness of divine assignment. But I will teach you the good, good and the right way. Remember that we said that prayer is one of the sacrifices that we offer to God as priests. And now remember that we said the prayer we are talking about is praying for the saints, supplication for the saints, and intercession for all men. It's not bring, bringing your prayer, prayer list every day, only you, your, you and family, your children. That's not what we're teaching here. Priests stand for other people. So your priestly duty prayer is for the saints, supplication. That's what Samuel said. If I don't pray for you, I'm sinning. It's for the saints and for all men as priests. No priest goes to be ministering to himself. You stand there on behalf of other people. So bring this sacrifice of prayer, which is pleasing to God. We said that. There's also the sacrifice of praise offered to Christ Jesus under his lordship. Under his lordship, through Christ Jesus. Hebrew 13, 15. By him, again, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice under the ministry of our great high priest as the Lord of the house. Now the other sacrifices that Hebrew 13, 16 mentioned, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. 
See, the sacrifices is for people. It's for others to do good, to share with others. Priests stand for others. I'm not talking of, again, prayer list. Me, my husband, my job, all the testimonies about me, my husband. That's not, the prayer. That's what we're, that's not what we're talking about here. He said, the sacrifices that please God is acts of love. Do good to men, share with men, pray for the saints, pray for our people, sacrifice of praise under Christ, worshiping him for what is done on the cross, blessing him for what he did for all men, for what he did for all men. Now, I want to talk about this sacrifice of consecration of, to God of our will. The role it plays in our overcoming the desires of the flesh, the desires of this world, and then the flesh. The sacrifice to submit all our being to God. All our being to God. Surrendering all our being to God. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. By the mercies of God. By the grace of God. By the mercies of God. That you present yourselves, your bodies. My body, your body, your tongue, your hand, your leg, your eyes, everything to God. Present it to God. A living sacrifice. Because you are alive. It's a sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Another translation says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. Dedicated to his service, pleasing to him. This is the true worship. This is the true worship that we should offer him. This is the true worship. King James says, your reasonable service. This is the true worship, our reasonable service. is that I offer voluntarily my body to Christ. Now, what does it look like? Romans 6, verse 18. And having been set free from sin now, you became slaves of righteousness through the mercies of God. We were set free from sin so that we can now be slaves to righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of unrighteousness when we were not Christians and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, so now, so now, what happens now? So now, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. As priests. As priests. 
You remember the priests of old, they will sanctify themselves and keep themselves clean before they enter to minister as priests. Holy priests, that's what the Bible calls us. We should give our whole body to Christ as sacrifice. Now, if I give my whole body, my whole mouth, everything to Christ, where does the desire of the flesh, where, where does it come in? Where does it come in? The battle is over, really. Moses chose to give his will to God. People have been doing this thing. In Hebrew 11.24, it was faith that made Moses. Faith that made Moses, when he had grown up, refused, refused to be called the son of the king's daughter. I mean, what, what an exalted position that that was. I mean, he would have had anything. The whole Egypt was at his fingertips. All he needed to do was to say, okay, I am. Because this woman loved this boy. But he refused to be called the son of the king's daughter. He preferred, city church, to suffer with God's people rather than to enjoy sin for a little while. He looked at identifying with the world as sin. People who had revelation lived way ahead of their time. He realized that in Egypt was demon worship and all these things. He said, I'm not going to identify with these people. I'm not going to be part of this. Because if I join these people and become the son of Pharaoh's daughter, I'll be supervising all these things. I'm not going to do that. I will give it up. He preferred to suffer with God's people rather than to enjoy sin for a while. He reckoned that to suffer scorn for the Messiah was worth far more than all the treasures of Egypt. Jesus hadn't even come. For he kept his eyes on the future reward. On the future reward. Why? Verse 27. It was faith that made Moses leave Egypt without being afraid of the king's anger, as though he saw the invisible God. He refused to turn back. This man, Moses, believed in God with all his heart, that God is God, and God was his treasure, and God was more important than anything in this world. So he gave everything to God. He said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't care about this one. I'm, there's an invisible God that is. First Corinthians 9.25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Moses did this thing for an eternal prize. Paul is saying the same thing. Do it for an eternal prize. 26. So I run with purpose in every step. Paul said, look, I understand what this is all about. 
I'm not confused. I am not shadow boxing. I'm not beating about the bush. I'm not, if it's this, let me grab. No, I know the things that are important here. I understand what is key here. I'm not confused. I'm not guessing. I'm not just a church goer. Go to church and go home. No, no, no. I understand what is key here. I understand what is important here. I understand what the choices are. And I know where I'm supposed to stand. Moses knew the choices. He saw something. The invisible God was real to this man. He made the choice. Paul said, I'm not going to beat about this bush. I'm not, you know, crowd followers. No, it's not about crowds and friends and family. Want your family to accept you, please. No, it's not about that. I'm not beating about the bush. I want to clear, I'll be clear on this. This is not shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is you are, boxing, you are beating nothing, really. 27. He said, this is what it's all about. I discipline my body. Like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You know, you don't allow your body to tell you about your life because your body is the flesh. You should talk to your body. If the Bible says, Let the weak say I'm strong. If your body tells you I'm sick, tell him, No, 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 no you're healed. Body, you are healed. I'm speaking to you, you are healed. Don't let your body detect your moods and everything for you. You should tell your body. I like what Wigglesworth said. They asked him one time, they said, Smith Wigglesworth, how do you feel? He said, no, my body doesn't tell me how I feel. I wake up and tell my body, this is the day the Lord has made. You are going to feel well. And then before long, my body begins to follow my spirit. I win the battle every day. I win that battle every day. I don't let my body determine for me how I go and what I do. It's, Paul said, I understand. I'm not shadow boxing. This is the key thing. If this guy controls me, I'm done. I don't know how many Christians understand this battle. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified now. Paul said, I'm not shadow boxing. I understand what's on the, on the table. I get, I get it. This is not a joking matter. I got to deal with this, my body. I got to make sure it does what it should do. That's why my son was saying, uh, I stopped my too, and I started talking to my body. Yeah, speak to it because it's not controlling me. No, 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 I'm not going to control me. I speak to you, I say, you are well, and I speak to you to be healed. No swelling here in Jesus' name. Come on, be normal. Then you practice, you win this battle. The more you practice, the more you win the battle. The more you practice, the more you win. But if you sit down there and your flesh is controlling you, hey, wake up, hey, Bible study, won't go. Just lay down there. Allow your, your flesh that doesn't know God, doesn't obey God, doesn't, to control you. Aren't you in danger? It will lead you to death. You allow the world controlled by Satan to control you with their desires, you're in trouble. Paul said, I am not shadow boxing here. I'm not confused here. I understand what this battle is all about. This is where it starts. I'm going to win this thing. 
This is not going to beat me and send me away from this thing. It's not going to cheat me in my life. No way. So, so I take care of the thing. It doesn't say my flesh does. No, no. I say I, Paul, do it. Anytime your body wants to get mad, you get crazy. Anger, you still starts to me all over the place. Do I say a Christian who can't control his spirit is like a city without a wall. You are exposing yourself to all manner of demonic attack. You can't tell your body, no, you are not buying this thing. You don't have money for it. Because everybody is buying, you go and be owing, book me, book me. And you don't pay, you don't pay. You turn yourself into a thief, stealing. If you don't win this battle, all your sacrifices is waste of time. You are going to see it in the Bible. It's waste of time. Now, no man can tempt the flesh on his own. Paul said, I did this, but you're going to see how Paul achieved it. And that's why a lot of people are being ruled by their flesh, because they don't know the way of grace. They don't know the way of grace. They think of self-righteousness way, and they f- keep failing, because they always want to, you know, and the Bible says you have good intention. You, it doesn't allow you to carry out your good intention. Good intention is good enough, but it won't work. Because people don't know the way of grace, don't even believe in the grace of God. Don't even believe in what Jesus achieved in paid lip service. They keep falling. The Bible says it's a stumbling block. People keep falling over it. And they will cover. We come to church, we cover. Outside the church, everybody knows. <laughs> Somebody came to me some time ago and said, Pastor, we know some of your people, though. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, we know them. I said, well, that's your judgment, go away. But that, that, that wasn't good for me. That wasn't good for me. He didn't certainly encourage me. James 3.8. But the tongue can no man tame. Because some people have runaway tongue. They must, they, oh, they must talk. They find out. If they, if they are not there when the gossip starts, they ask you to go back and wind. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, how did they? Yeah, hey. I'm just coming. Hey, yeah, sister. They wind it back. So they get all the juicy gossip and they carry it. James 3 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No man can do that. But Paul said, I put it under control. How did he do this, Paul? The scripture said, no man can do this. No man. Romans 8.13. For if you live by its dictates, that's not the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. This is Paul writing now. The same person that says, I did it, he's telling us how he did it. 
Let me read it again. 8.13. For if you live by the its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live through the power of the Spirit. Paul has found out how to activate the power of the Spirit. To take care of the tongue, the things that no man can tame. See, that's why Jesus came. No? The law couldn't say the weakness of the flesh. The flesh dealt with the law. The law couldn't do nothing. God sent his, sent his son to deal with it. So let's listen to Paul's testimony along this line. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God. <laughs> it's amazing. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yes. Disciplined it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He produced. Why? But, but I labored more abundantly than they are. Yet not I now. But the grace of God, which was with me. So how could Paul say, I put myself under control, turns around and says, but the love of God controls me. How does it work? I discipline it, but it's the love of God that controls me. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 5, 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Really? I thought, Paul, you are the one that Controls your flesh. Put it under the thing. He said, no, it's the grace of God. Even though I, Paul, controls it, but it's the grace of God. The love of God controls us. Why? How did you get there, Paul? Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own sinful nature. See where Paul started this journey? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life now will no longer live for themselves. He died for everyone so we can win the battle against the flesh and win the battle against worldly desires. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He said, this is the way it works. It's what I believe that I see. I believe this. That my old nature, which was sinful and everything is gone, is what you believe that you see. 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. This is the key, people. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from human point of view with human wisdom. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creature. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. He believed a new life has begun. He believed it with all his heart. He believed it because he believed it. He said, no, the old, the old life cannot rise. It cannot rise. It cannot rise. He distinguished between, between the old life and the new life. He believed it has begun. He said, the grace of God gave me this. 
the, 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 the love of God in me is controlling me now. So I don't let this one come up. Because now I live for Christ. Now, the connection between them is this. I want everybody to listen to me now. If Paul didn't first accept the lordship of Jesus, these other ones will not work. If Paul didn't first acknowledge who Christ is, nothing. He can quote this, you can quote all these things on the lips. But until you accept, acknowledge, confess the lordship of Jesus, not on the lips. Some people say Jesus is Lord, but Jesus is not their Lord. Until you acknowledge the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, not by lips, not by lips, not by lips, not by lips, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, under whom you bring your sacrifice. Your sacrifice is waste of time. Without him, you can't do nothing. You can't sacrifice nothing. You have to start by acknowledging the lordship of Jesus. He is lord over everything. He is the savior. He delivered us from this thing. He set me free. You have to acknowledge the, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. First. And in acknowledging that, you now present your sacrifice under that ministry of Christ, people, and then the impossible will begin to happen in your life. That's when you activate the power of heaven. And then you do beyond what you can do. That's what Paul was saying. I put this under control, but it wasn't me because of my own account. But there is power working in me. It's not I. It's no longer I that live it, but Christ. By him. You can't bring a worship, brethren. Say you're worshiping Jesus. That you don't acknowledge his lordship. You are denying his work on the cross. You are denying him. And say you're worshiping by him. He can't walk. It doesn't work. That's why people sing, 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 nothing. They entertain themselves, feel, feel good and go away. It's by him. It's through him. Faith in him. Made this man to walk. Faith in him. Makes our sacrifice work. Faith in him. Faith in him. Lordship of Jesus. Savior. Paul said, I believe that my old life is gone. He made me, I'm not denying Christ and his testimony. It's important, it is key. He said, if you deny me before men, I deny you before my father. Your sacrifice is not coming there. So you see the starting point of all of this?
Moses saw the invisible God and acknowledged God and was able now to yield his body to him. The Bible says he saw, he believed in the invisible God. He did. His faith, his faith in God activated these things. When he brought this thing, God revealed himself to him. You know, people think that God does anything anyhow. No, no, no. It's the reason why God showed Moses his glory. Because he first acknowledged God and brought the sacrifice of yielding himself. As we go down, you will see that this sacrifice brings you into intimacy with Christ. Intimacy with God. That's how Moses came and saw this. said, let me draw near. Near. Because he had surrendered it all to him. Believing in who he is. And God brought him near to him. To see what others don't see. The Macedonian church did something that beyond them, beyond them, they activated the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit keeps this thing under, under control. How do you activate it? Look at what they did. Now I want you to know, dear brethren, brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. They are, they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy. Which has, which has overflowed in rich generosity, poor and very generous. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't match. Verse 3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than they had, we had hoped. They went beyond. There's a power. There's a joy. There's, a act, there's an anointing on them. Their flesh and poverty couldn't stop them. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem 5. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. <laughs> Living sacrifice. They recognized the Lordship of Jesus and these people had realized like Paul that it's not beating about the bush. That I, get, I got to bring this sacrifice of my body to him. And when they did that, they activated the power of God and they were acting beyond their ability. Joy unspeakable was flowing. Poverty couldn't stop them. They were giving and giving everything. The first, like Paul said, this is key. This sacrifice is important. I'm not beating about the bush. You, look, you can answer any title you like. But first, first, surrender yourself to the Lord. Acknowledge his lordship and bring yourself to him. Under that lordship by him. Under that lordship, the savior, the lord. You bring it to him as the great high priest. You activate the power of heaven in your life. Then you can now do the impossible. You cannot tame your tongue. By the power of that spirit. 
your, your testimony will, will be, you did more than people expected. Why? There's a power that you activated that's not working in you. You can tame your tongue, you can tame your body, you can tame them, but by the power of the Spirit that you activated, by acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus, they say they gave him to the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Moses saw the glory, saw the invisible God. Jesus is Lord. They say you are Lord of all. This is your, we give you everything. You are Lord. Some people, their Lord is their job. Their Lord is the dollar. They, are, they have different lords. I will come here and say, I, I will never worship my man, God. Even some people, they are the Lord themselves. They are the Lord, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They are Lord. So once this sacrifice is offered this way, in acknowledging the lordship of Jesus, you bring your body to him, you activate the power, pump, the glory, pump. The impossible begins to happen in your life. Look at our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say, Second Chronicles 7. Now when, Moses, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Because the sacrifice was offered the way God prescribed it. Look at our Lord Jesus, Matthew 17, from verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringing them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses, the lairs talking with him, then answered Peter, said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice spoke up out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were so afraid. The glory of the Lord appeared. You know why? Jesus told us why this thing happened. Because God doesn't just do anything anyhow. Jesus told us why it happens. Look at John 10, 17. The father, he said, this is my beloved son. Listen to the Lord. John 10, 17. The father lost me because I sacrificed my life. So, I may take it up back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrificed it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. He said, I sacrifice my life. I give it all to him. He's my father. He's the God of heaven and earth. So I saw, and then the glory of God came on Christ. The disciples saw it. And the, the, Jesus, God said, this is my beloved son. Jesus said, this is why he loves me. I sacrificed my life to him. I gave it to you people because my father wants it so. This glory came because of this sacrifice. Oh, you say, but he hasn't gone to the cross. Well, didn't you read the Bible that this thing was finished before the foundation of the earth? God is a God of faith. <laughs> God is a God of faith. He has seen it completely done. 
So another benefit of this is, like I said, when Moses sacrificed, and then when you sacrifice your body to God, to Christ, you come into intimacy with him. He brings you into the inner court of God. Brethren, there's an inner court of God. The blood of Jesus has given us entrance to God, but there is an inner court. If you are dealing with God, there's an inner, some people are very close to God, some people are not. I told you that Moses, God revealed to him something not everybody see. So he, he said, let me draw near. Yes, you can draw near. Look, look, look at James 4, 8. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. This is that. You, you may not want to come close, but the Bible says, come close now. God will come close to you. Wash your hands. The hands belongs to God. Stop dating it. You sinners, purify your heart. Loving with all your heart. Seeking with all your heart. Your heart is everywhere. It's in everything. Purify your heart. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You, are not, you have not given him this sacrifice of praise. You don't recognize him who he is. And you are far away from him. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. Gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves now before the Lord and recognize who he is. And he will lift you up in honor. First John 1 John 1.5 This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, have intimacy with him, and walk in darkness, surrendering part of our body for works of darkness, we lie. And do not know the truth. Do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ is son, us of all, 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 all sins. Now look at John 8, 29. And he that sent me is with me. Why? The Father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. Surrender my, my life to him. I'm not taking it back. You know, Paul's daily desire is to be in fellowship with Christ. You know, people come to church for various reasons. Some want healing, some want promotion. Come on, man. God wants us for fellowship. That's why he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but we quote it only in trouble. It's not true. It's not just for trouble. Not that it's not true for trouble, but it's not just for trouble. What he's saying is that I love you so much and I want fellowship with you. I want you. That's the primary thing that he means. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you because I love you with an everlasting love. What will separate me, you from my love? I love you so much. I want fellowship with you. The primary thing God wants is you. It's me. It's fellowship. He started it from the Garden of Eden. He'll come down to have fellowship. God wants fellowship with us. Not with angels. He wants it for you with you. Like a good father and a son. So Paul knew. Paul said, I'm not beating about the bush. I know what's key here. Look at what he said in Philippians 3.10. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. Oh, yeah, that's right now. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving 
and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I want to perceive the, his person. I want to be close enough. I want to be close to know him more. And that I may in that same way come to know the power now as flowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And that I may share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. So we, when you have this kind of desire, you already won the, the battle against the worldly desires. Because you are, where your interest is, is something else. So we should desire to have fellowship with him. Walk in the light. Let your body be instruments of righteousness. Surrender to the Lord under his lordship. And come draw close to him. So you, like Paul, desire to behold the mightiness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the wonders of his person, the wonders of his person. When I wake up in the morning, by the grace of God, I just lie there and say, Lord, I want you to reveal to me the living Christ in me. I say he's living in me. I want to have an experience of the outflowing of his presence in me. His person. I want to behold his glory. Lord, you are there. I don't want to be talking about Jesus I don't experience. Jesus has to be a living Jesus to me. Lord, if it's not so, I'm deceiving myself. I'm telling you. I said, for you said you shall dwell in our house by faith. Lord, I want to know the living Christ in me, experience him like Paul. I want to behold the glory of the Christ that is in me, who is the hope of my glory, hope of glory. Lord, I want, I'll lie down there and meditate on these things, meditate on these things, meditate on these things, be praying about it. Because I want to start my day with serious intimacy with him, step out of there and with, continue with that intimacy. Not leaving his presence. It makes all the difference in the world. I can tell you I notice a lot of differences making in my life. Sometimes I'm daily talking with him, he will nudge me to pray. He will nudge me to do this. I, will not, I mean, if he says he's nudging you. <laughs> but I say, Lord, I need to, you are, you are, you are, you, I need to read Christ that is alive. I don't need stories. Living Christ, I want to experience you. You are living there. I want to daily experience companionship with you, intimacy with you. You are my treasure. You are my everything. Nothing matters in this world. My heart is yours. I'm not giving it to anybody. And they knock, lift. <laughs> 365 years, the testimony about him walking in close fellowship with God. That's Genesis 5.23. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you walk in close fellowship with God, you see, you see wonders that people don't see. Enoch got so close to God that he, poo, God took him. He left. But there are some people who are outer court worshippers, though. They're in church. Mark 5.6 says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, some people see afar off. They are not interested in coming close. They love the world so much. Look at Mark 14, 54. But Peter followed him at a distance. Yep, some people are distance followers of Jesus. Right into the courtyard and that 
the high priest, cut out of the high priest, and he sat with the servants, warmed himself at fire. You know what happens there? That's why they deny Christ. They're among unbelievers, sitting in the seat of the scornful. What happens there is not worship. What happens there is denial. They'll be ashamed to declare they're Christians before people because they want the world to accept them, following from a distance. And then 1 John 2.15, say, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, any man, any man love this world, the love of the Father will not be in him. For all that is in this world, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Again, like we were saying yesterday at the believers meeting, thank God for some scriptures that came up there. He said these people are sleeping in the middle of a serious battle over their souls. They are sleeping. Ephesians 5.10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Remember Paul said, I'm not beating about the bush. I know what this thing is all about. I know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Don't surrender your body to them. Instead, expose them. Twelve. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them for them. For the right, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, awake. Stop doing those things. It's going to be exposed. Shame will come. Stop. Stop. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead. The, the Christ will light, light, light you up. Christ will give you light. Revelation. Understanding. Awake. Stop sleeping. There's a battle for your soul. Wanting to destroy it. And the Holy Spirit said, I wish above all things that you prosper in life, in marriage, business, in all you do, and in health, but your soul has to prosper. But there's a battle. Something wants to destroy it. But you are sleeping. You're falling from a distance. You're not interested in church, not interested in anything. You come to church, I don't want to be bothered. Is that the life you take to heaven? I want to be bothered. You know what I say? God said, I don't want to bother with you either. You deny me, I deny. I don't want to bother with you. And yet, when something happens, you start praying like house on fire. You, you, for to a God you don't even believe in, you don't know, you don't even know what to start helping. That Ephesians 5 says, 14, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. Christ will give you light. 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the, what the Lord wants you to do. Paul said, I know what he wants. I'm not beating about the bush. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege to hear your word urging us to bring a sacrifice of our body to you under the lordship of Jesus Christ. By him, we bring the sacrifice of praise. We can't, we can't come without him. We can't come apart from through him. In acknowledging his lordship, he's the savior, acknowledging who he is, Lord, we come, we bring our sacrifice to you. 
and then the power of heaven is released. The power in us is activated, and we do beyond what we can do naturally. That's where we can, we, can we can take care of our flesh. Tame the tongue. Tame the flesh by the power of your spirit. It's not something anybody can do on his own. For by, no man can tame his tongue, but by the power of the spirit we do these things. Father, I pray that you give us revelation like Moses saw it, the invisible God, that we'll see the living Christ. Let it be a burning desire in us that we know the living Christ. We should be tired of just words and words with no experiential knowledge of Christ. We don't know his voice. We don't know anything. It's not even real to many people. They doubt him. Symptoms come today. They just succumb like that because they don't know him. Jesus said your problem is you don't know God. You don't know Christ. You don't know the, the power of God. That's your problem. Lord, I pray that you heal us of this ignorance. That Christ will be real. That we will know him. And like Paul, we behold his glory. And when we behold his glory, nothing will make us afraid again. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.